Yes, uh, I am a local church pastor in Wake Forest, North Carolina, Hope Baptist Church. And I'm also uh, the head, the director of a ministry called Church and Family Life. And we're uh, everything we do is to try to proclaim the sufficiency of Scripture for church and family life. We want to say that uh, fa- families need strong churches and churches need strong families. And so um, we try to speak to, you know, many matters of the sufficiency of Scripture for both the church and the family. We think that they're complementary in nature, though separate jurisdictions, but uh, both, you know, need tremendous attention uh, in the local church. So that's that's what we do. You can go to our website at churchandfamilylife.com. That's churchandfamilylife.com. So, but uh, as for today and this time of prayer, I'd like for us to consider one of the greatest prayers in the Bible, one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. And it's a prayer for the local church, uh, for the local church in Ephesus. So if you have your, if you have a Bible, uh, I'm going to read this, but if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter three and find verse 14. And I'll read uh, Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, uh, Ephesians three, 14 to 21. It's a great prayer. It helps us to understand uh, the mission of your local church, my local church, uh, and, and, and really the energizing power that fuels uh, that mission. Now, uh, you know, my greatest interest in the world uh, for many, many years, most of my Christian life was really for the prosperity of local churches and, and the condition of families that compose, uh, you know, the members of those churches. But um, I, I love this prayer. I prayed this prayer many times for the people in our church individually uh, considering them one by one and praying this prayer. Um, but it's a, pr- it's a prayer for the prosperity of a particular local church. So uh, Ephesians 3.14, uh, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So this, this passage helps us to understand how we should intercede for churches. Maybe we can intercede for churches today, um, specifically our churches, the churches that we know about. Um, and uh, it's, such a, it's such a wonderful prayer to use to pray for people. I find you know, prayer to be difficult. It's so helpful to me to have scripture 
to give me the words to pray. This passage is so practical because it kind of it kind of paints a target and it shows us how to pray and it shows us what to pray. It tells us why we should pray. And then it tells us how the prayers will be fulfilled by the greatness of his power. So, uh, you know, th- this passage is just, is just so helpful. Um, notice, first of all, Paul's disposition. I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. This is, I think it speaks of his disposition. This is not a prescriptive requirement for praying always on our knees, but it, it reveals Paul's disposition in his prayer, the tenderness of the prayer. He's coming to his father. He has a father and he's, he's, you know, just tenderly speaking of his father, a little bit like the Lord's prayer, our father who art in heaven, we have a father. And it's also uh, clear earlier in the passage in verse 12 of Ephesians three, it's clear that we come boldly, but, but we learn here that coming boldly in prayer is not coming brashly. It's, it's coming tenderly and humbly. And then the apostle gives the reason for the prayer. He's, or he, he states that there's a reason for the prayer in verse 14 for this reason. Well, why, why is he, why is he doing this? Well, the reason he's praying is in, is uh, in verses eight to 14, but particularly in verses 10 and 11. Now just read that he's praying to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the church by the church, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So he, he's, he's praying that the wisdom of God would be made known through the church to the powers and the principalities, uh, the, the angels, the demons, and, uh, and all the, perhaps the great cloud of witnesses. There's something that the church is in the world. And so, um, and uh, and that is to make known the eternal purpose which uh, God accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The world needs to know that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth to proclaim that. But then, then, then there's the prayer, and Paul prays for three things, and these are just very helpful guidelines. And first, that. that uh, the Ephesian church, the corporate church body, and I'm sure the individuals as well would be strengthened with might that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So he's praying for this inner strength, not that they'd be outwardly mighty, but they'd be inwardly mighty through, through the, the inner man. And uh, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Well, I thought they were Christians. They, do they need faith? Well, there are a couple of ways that we can talk about faith. There's saving faith, but there's also uh, a, a need for the development of our faith. Uh, Charles Hodge talks about the degrees of faith. And our, our faith is always needing to be strengthened. Um, and so then the second 
uh, thing that he prays for is that they would be rooted and grounded. Uh, not only that they'd be strengthened with might, but that they would be rooted and grounded, uh, that you may be rooted and grounded in love, verse 17, and may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. So you have these two images, rooted and grounded. You have roots, tree roots that go down. Think of, think of Psalm 1. Uh, they're 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 well um, they're well watered, and they bear fruit, and then grounded. That's the image of a house of a, on a foundation, and uh, you know your roots go deep, your foundation is strong. Think about Matthew seven, the two houses, uh, the two foundations, uh, one founded on the word word of Christ, and one not, um, and uh, and also just a sense of the vastness of the strength that God has for his people, that you be able to comprehend with all the saints, what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. He's saying, I want you to grip it. I want you to grasp it. To comprehend means to grasp. And so I want you to grab it and hold, you know, hold onto it, have grip strength of, of this thing. Of what? Of the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. There's nothing more beautiful than a church that understands that Christ's, Christ loves them, that they are beloved sons, like the Son of God. We, we get so burdened by our weight of sin, we often forget that, that we're, we're loved. And he's praying that they would have a sense of love. And then thirdly, that they might be filled with the fullness of God. That's in verse 19 the fullness of god and of course we could go to all kinds of places to talk about that to the fruit of the spirit in ephesians 5 18 and in, in galatians 5 just to see what the fullness of god looks like in your in your church <laughs> in your heart but then finally uh the apostle prays in such a way where we learn how these prayers are accomplished in verse 20, he really ends in a doxology. Uh, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. So this is a prayer for a local church. It's a prayer for your church and my church and, and the other churches that we know about. It's, a, it's appropriate to pray it for individuals as well that all these things would be accomplished according to the riches of the glory of his grace and that he can do it exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So there you have it, uh, a prayer for a local church.